Sports Front, your dirty, nasty, and controversial sports talk podcast for all things Detroit sports and sports worldwide. Here are your hosts, Tony, Joey, Frank, and Gerard, four lifelong friends born and raised in South Detroit. At the same time, however, I'm not going to lie, jockeys do creep the hell out of me. Revolutionary Sports Front, episode 15, Sunday night, 9 o'clock in the east. I'm joined by Gerard. What up, Del? And none other than Tony. Hello. And our dear friend Joe is going to be running a little bit behind. And for the sake of that man, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently today. Uh, We're going to lead off with the Tigers and some basketball, the NBA playoffs, things that Joe doesn't not necessarily know about, but not necessarily isn't as passionate about. Yeah, we're pretty much saving hockey for him. <laughs> we're gonna save. Let's the, be honest. Save the fun stuff for when Joe gets here in a little bit. He's on a ferry. He should be here momentarily. But we're gonna move on. The Tigers have just well. There's no other way to put it. They've sucked lately. They won one last night. But other than that, it's been miserable. And we're gonna do two minutes of them, and that's all. As soon as Gerard joins the show. All right, you guys ready? I'm ready. I'm Tigers ready. in two minutes starts well now. Over with. Tigers are now 16 and 21. I think they lost five games straight, something like that. The only bright spot for him six. was uh, they lost six. Oh, boy. Uh, JV has one earned run in his last two games, so or given up, and uh, we lost both of them, so that's great. We got a pitcher out there pitching lights out, finally, and can't get a goddamn run for ourselves. Well, the first one, he couldn't get a run. The other one, he got runs, but then our bullpen came in and gave up more runs than we got because our bullpen, which early on in the season was a strength, has now fallen apart on us. And our offense is inconsistent as usual. And how pathetic is it that Max Scherzer's out there putting the nine-inning K record up on Sunday? At 20 or 21 strikeouts at nine innings? 20 strikeouts, yeah. 20 strikeouts at nine innings? But he still innings? almost lost that game because his offense didn't really produce, and we did get two solo home runs off of him. I'll speak as the fair-weather fan and just put my two cents in and say there's nothing worse than when the Tigers are doing bad. I don't like baseball as it is, but when the Tigers are doing bad, it makes it worse. At least when they're doing good, people are drinking beer and they're happy. Now everyone's just bitching about it. Yeah, the one good thing, though, is ticket price will go down. So when I catch a late-season game against the Yanks or something, actually see some real baseball out there. Nobody you know like, you suck when, dot, dot, dot. So uh, Scherzer had the 20Ks. I want to bring this up. It's not really Tigers-related, but is it better than uh, a perfect game? Because we're about 27 perfect games, but now he has the most Ks in nine innings. Like, where would you put that on the list? I mean, it's one of those things where a perfect game is extremely hard, but this is also very hard to do because of the fact that you have to throw some. You have to throw at least, uh, what is it? Let's see, three times. Twenty-seven. Yeah, outs. twenty-seven. All right, Frank, your opinion. Do you think it's better than a perfect game? We're almost out of time here. No, no, I don't either. Because he gets those two home runs. Now, if he had a no hitter with the twenty strikeouts, I'd say that's more impressive. Oh yeah, no hitter with twenty strikeouts would be more. That'd be harder than a perfect game. All right, so we still don't think they're making the playoffs. Nope, nope. And that is Tigers two minutes. Let's move on to the God, next topic. Over. What are we working with here? What's next, Tony? Uh, next up, we're going to talk about those uh, NBA playoffs. Toronto and Cleveland are going to be facing each other, and also then we're going to have a little talk about Golden State OKC, which uh, I was. Pretty much wrong. I'm predicting Toronto and the Spurs series against OKC as well. All right, we've all made mistakes in our life, Tony. <laughs> but uh, let's go out east first since it's closer to home. We got Toronto versus Cleveland. LeBron, the man James, Prince James, King James versus, you know, a pretty solidly constructed team. But we've seen Jamari Carroll try to guard LeBron James before. Did it work out? Nope. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was cute what Toronto's done. But we, we touched upon this last week about the NBA and the lack of parity and whatnot. And, you know, but I my think... my God, is basketball that bad and lack parity so much? Well said. But, <laughs> no, but uh, I, really, I truly think that uh, the Cavs will, will sweep them and the Toronto might get one five games at best, man. It's just, there's no parity, man. It's just it's setting up for Cleveland and Golden State, in my opinion. I agree with you 100%. And I think that some of the reason, like, Cleveland's going to look really good in the playoffs. They might sweep... All three series, and that's incredible, 12 straight wins. But at some point, steel sharpens steel. And Golden State is actually lucky in the fact that they have to play, or, okay, see if they come out. They play harder teams. You know what I'm saying? Cleveland, this is honestly preseason to them. You know what I mean? They play 82 games, then 12 playoff games to get to four games that matter that, like, they actually have to get off for. It's kind of, it's kind of Possibly kind of seven. I don't know, but I'm saying they need four wins, but the first... 
that's 94 games that really do not matter to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, that just brings up whether or not you believe in the whole quote-unquote fresh in basketball. Do you, I mean, does the fact that the Cavaliers are 8-0 and have only played eight games mean more than the uh, OKC and all them beating up on each other over there in the West? Oh, if you think so, then your point's made. It's extremely helpful for LeBron to get rest because he can up there and has to play so many minutes. But with a team like Golden State or even OKC being so young, they don't necessarily need the... Uh, they don't need rest. They're young enough they don't. If the Spurs would have made it, I'd, obviously Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manny Ginobili need a little extra rest. But when you're, you know, Steph Curry's not even in his prime yet year-wise for basketball, so he doesn't really need the rest. Yeah, I happen to agree with most of what you just said. Uh, I think, well, how old is Steph Curry? I think, was he 27? Something around there. He's close. Yeah, so he's about in his prime. So, but yeah, LeBron definitely could use all the rest he can get, and he's getting it. And I agree with the youth factor. So yeah, they we'll put see you so much on LeBron in Cleveland, though. Do you think he can carry them to another championship? That's what you're thinking. Well, that's good? the big argument: is uh, can he do it now? He he almost did it last year by himself, and now he's got Irving and Love, and that's the big that's the big topic. I mean, if you want to get into it, we well, can. he had him last year too, and they didn't. Well, do it. well, we'll get into it closer to the finals here. Let's have him make the finals before we give Cleveland too much credit. Uh, Toronto's actually got a pretty good squad. Kyle Lowry can play. DeMar DeRozan can play. Yeah, but they just went to seven games with Miami, which is nowhere near as good as the Heat. Or the, oh, Miami's as good as the Heat, Tony? Yeah. Hey-o. No, I'm the one screwing off here. Okay. No, I'm saying the Heat aren't nearly as good as the Cavs, I meant. Yeah, that's true. They don't, really ma- they don't have anybody that can guard LeBron. Like, I- last year in the finals, it was pretty clear that Andre Iguodala was guarding LeBron. But, uh, so let's get some predictions on the series. I'm going Cavs in five. Cavs and Fives. Frankie, what do you think? you think it's a clean sweep for the Clean Cavs? sweep by the Cavs. Get your brooms out? Get your brooms You know out. what? I hate LeBron so much that I'm picking Toronto, and I think Toronto's going to win in seven. And we'll be back with our next segment in a second, people. RSF. And we're back. Sorry about that quick break. Tony dropped his phone. We had to pick it up. We're going to move out west, though. Wild Wild West, Will Smith style. Uh, we had OKC Golden State. Finally, a series we can really tune into and pay attention to here, right? Yeah, finally he's right, man. It's been about, what, a month of basketball? Yeah, about maybe a little more than a month so far that I really haven't even cared to tune in. I just check in the box score in the morning. Yeah, I mean, I happened to catch the last few minutes of the OKC-Spurs game where OKC won it all. But, I mean, other than that, it's just been, like, basketball playoffs. Frank's already said it before. You know, there's no parity. It's really boring the first few rounds. It really is, but here we are at this. This is a kind of a in the basketball world. If you're a basketball fan, this is a mega series. You got the team that everyone's been talking about. You got the guy that everyone's been talking about, in Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors versus the two Bash brothers that everyone seems to love. You know my thoughts on Durant. Westbrook's okay, but those two guys, OKC's been chomping at the bit for what seems like years now. It has been years, and they're going to go toe to toe to see who goes and faces Bron in the East. So this is a big deal if you're a basketball fan. I'm not really, but you can hear in my voice that even I'm a little bit excited about this one to tune in. It's going to be late games and, you know, something to do at night, so I'm ready to roll. Yeah, I mean, I believe the new Drake song or whatever, The Future came out, well, Jump One, Jump Man, Jump Man, These Boys Up to Something. That's actually happening in OKC, honestly. Wow. Fucking Durant and Westbrook are really out there putting You've up points the point for the teams. We're quoting Drake on this show. Just, we aren't quoting anything. That was Gerard. I'm just we saying, aren't doing there's really anything. something going on there, and I think they might actually have a shot of taking this thing seven games. Like, Golden State's really good, but Durant and Westbrook might be able to do it. They might be the dynamic duo the basketball has been looking for. I've always been opposed. I thought Durant's window to win a title was before Golden State got good because they had to battle the Spurs and Golden State in the West. But I think they might have a shot. What are you thinking, Tony? Uh, I would have given the Spurs a shot, but I do not give OKC a shot. I think this is going to be another pretty easy series for... Um, Golden State while they get ready to go to the finals and face probably the Cavs. Okay, I think that I'm just, I mean, I've been wrong so so many different times in the NBA playoffs so far when it comes to the Heat and all that. I'm just going to go ahead and pick OKC just because I really want to see an upset. But this leads to a question we can just kind of put on a side note I wanted to ask both of you gentlemen is which is the sexier matchup for you? Because we all can agree, I think everyone can agree, that LeBron and the Cavs are going to move on. What would the sexier matchup be? Golden State and getting his second crack at him, or just seeing the people that everyone loves in uh, Durant and Westbrook and having a little rematch of that from the one that LeBron allegedly stole. You know, People say he stole that title uh, when he was down in Miami. Now he's with Cleveland. What would you rather see? You know what? Uh, 
Honestly, I think Golden State's going to win, and I want Golden State to win it all again. But OKC Cavaliers will be a way sexier matchup. They're really fun basketball to watch right now. Just Westbrook's out there distributing, dunking, going past people, steals. Durant's throwing daggers all over the place out on the court, pulling up from 35 if he has to. I think OKC's going to take it down. I really do. Tony, what do you, which matchup do you think is sexier? And I like the question, Frank. This wasn't on the show sheet. It was impromptu, and I dig it. That's professionalism, people. <laughs> First time in your life. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Frank being professional, stop the presses. But uh, no, we I mean, are the press. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I mean, it's one of those things where I definitely think OKC and the Cavs is a more interesting matchup. But I, I like Jerry said, I want to see Golden State win another one. To really uh, legitimize themselves as the best team. I think with 73 wins, they're already pretty legitimate. But uh, as you can, these series haven't started, so we don't have that much news to talk about. That's why a little lack of excitement in our voices. Let's just get our picks and move on to a story that has a little more excitement in the Spurs getting older. Frank, who do you think is going to win this series? You Are heard mine, man. I'm taking, the, I'm taking the thunder. Uh, Tony? For shock value. I'm taking Golden State. I like that you do things for shock value, but I got to go to Golden State, too, because Draymond Green and I are alumni. I believe in the same class from MSU. So, uh, let's move on to Spurs. Are the Spurs done? I mean, they had a great run. Tim Duncan, I believe, has plans to retire. Uh, Should Tony Parker go? Should Ginobili go? Do you think Kawhi Leonard can bring this team to the future? Give me your thoughts on the Spurs, people. What are you thinking, Frankie? Uh, You know, I thought they were done two, three, even four years ago. I thought they were done, but you can never count out Pop. Tim Duncan, I think, is going to go. I just have thought the Spurs, you can never really count them out, but it just seems like it just is that time, when, man. I think this I, is the end of an era. When I say done, I don't mean done being contenders. I mean, are they probably are they going to go so bad they end up in the lottery and miss the playoffs? Kawhi Leonard's a mofo, though. Kawhi Leonard's probably one of the top. He has, he's arguably up there with Steph Curry for how good he well, is. Well, he was second in MVP voting. He should be. He can play defense. He can check LeBron. You put Kawhi Leonard on Golden State, they might not lose a game, honestly. But, uh, Tony, what do you think about the Spurs? Well, I mean, we had a deal with an old five. You remember Big Shot Bob making that shot where she washed oh my hand in his face? Yeah. But, uh, no, I, I was going to say, I mean, I think the Spurs are done. They're just, they've gotten too old. And, I mean, yeah, they have a few good young guys, but the core of that team is still Parker, Ginobili, and Duncan. And Duncan and Ginobili, I'm pretty sure, are both for sure done. And Parker's pretty much done. Yeah, he's a shell of himself. When I look at this, as far as Dunn being not making the playoffs, Kawhi Leonard can carry a team in the East of the playoffs, but the West is obviously more competitive. New Orleans will probably be back in the next year. I think the problem stems from this LaMarcus Aldridge signing. I think when they made it, it seemed like the perfect deal move on paper, and Pop never did oh, anything yeah. dumb. It but in the playoffs, like, I mean, he seems pretty quiet. Like If the core of that team was LaMarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard... I think that's a good core they could build around it. But for some reason, LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't seem like a, the max player that everybody thought he was. Like, I'm not saying he doesn't put up the points. He just doesn't have that, like, mantra, like, inspiring people to be better, making his teammates better. He gets his 18 and 10, he goes home. Well, it's one of those where now he's a good player on a great team, where before he was a good player on a mediocre team, which I think made him look better. Yeah, that's what I... Because I was watching Portland play this year a little bit, obviously, and Portland, is they're having fun out there. That's a really good team. They just don't have enough talent to get past Golden State, who has just tons and tons of talent. But Portland, that's a fun team to watch. McCollum's balling. Lillard's balling. And so they didn't miss a step without Aldridge. They're actually, I would say, better now. This version of Portland would beat last year's Portland team. And they lost four stars. They were projected to be 14th in the West, only better than the Lakers. You know, I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge was worth it in hindsight. Do you have any thoughts on it, Frank? No, I really don't. I'm not qualified to... <laughs> To talk about the Spurs, and frankly, I'm I like your honesty, Frank, because that's one thing that really upsets me about uh, sportscasters. I was watching Herm Edwards talk about golf the other day. It's like you're a football coach. What do you know about Tiger Woods and when he should come back? So thanks for being honest, Frank, and bring us into our next topic. Well, thank you. I'm always honest, especially on the show. Um, now, our next topic is something that we are qualified to talk about, and especially someone sitting across from me and Tony. So let me set it up for him, and then he'll he'll take it from there, and we'll have a discussion about it. Um, we got UFC 198 that just occurred last night, and there's some stuff to talk about about that. 199 coming up, I'm especially excited about because my boy Faber is going to get his title back. The California Kid. California Kid is going to take out Dominic Cruz for show. And then sure. the, the, two, the 200, we'll get to it. The 200, 
that everyone was talking about and still is. And then we got um, some Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, question mark, question mark, question marks coming up. So I'll kick it over to our house UFC expertise, Tony. Yeah, I mean, I am kind of our resident expert on UFC. Yes, you are. <laughs> Thank you, guys. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, last night uh, UFC 198 was down in Brazil. Rio? Break it down, Tony. Break it down. Uh, I think it was. I'm in, just joking. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I I was. I wanted to watch the fight card, but had some things to do today. Went to bed early last night. Didn't watch it. But I mean, I did see a little bit of the headlines. Read a little, a couple articles on it. So we got Steve Miocic, who even as foreign as his name sounds, is from Cleveland. Hey, he finally brought Cleveland a title. Well, yeah, that, that's what he said. That's what he said in his post fight speech. I mean. It's, you know, nice. That's the stupidest (laughs) thing I've ever heard. (laughs) All right. But, yeah, so uh, he knocked out Fabricio Verdum, who had been the heavyweight champion. And Verdum is Brazilian, I believe. Yes, Verdum is Brazilian. We know how I feel about it. What are you, new? I'm just just clarifying for our listeners who don't know. I hate Brazilian fighters. Y'all already know that. Yeah, and then the other uh, big fight on that card was Christine Cyborg Santos making her... UFC debut finally after all these years. Excuse me, did you say her? You did say her, right? Just making sure. Yes, I mean, if you look at a picture of her. a woman? Yes. It's a woman? She's just taking a lot of steroids. Okay, just making sure. I mean, of course. You ever see her, Gerard? You look shocked over here. I think, I just, I just funny because when people talk about taking steroids, the steroids they take, what you're taking is testosterone. She is 145 pounds of steel. She's in better shape than Frank. Steel. Let's put it that way. She's do. got more muscles you than know, Frank. Frank is actually, you know, people who haven't seen him. We're going to see him do some push-ups later, put it on the YouTube channel for a lost bet. But, uh, yeah, Frank's looking pretty big. But, Tony, get back to the UFC. Quicken us well, on topic you. with Frank's muscles over here. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I mean, it was one of those things where there's been a lot of back and forth about her coming to the UFC because she fights at 145 pounds. UFC does not have a 145 division. So they start at 140 or she cut to 135? She cut to 140. And she said she can't make the cut to 135. She won the fight now. She's Dick's out. too big? <laughs> it's because she's juicing, man. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. She's got all those muscles from juicing. But, of course, that's why she had a fight in Brazil, because you're not going to get tested there. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's okay, a so did you benefits of not having to lose, Tony. I mean, get to the she, she got a knockout in 81 yeah, fucking seconds, dude. Going. She knocked... Who she knocked out? Leslie Smith. I don't know who that is. Exactly. They fed her... Basically, you start going through like, hey, do you guys want to fight uh, Christine Cyborg Santos? Where's the fight at? Brazil? Oh, so she's not going to be tested? Yeah, fuck that. And for some of the other people out there who don't know a lot about this topic, no one knows who Leslie Smith is, and we don't care to. But yeah, she got knocked out in 81 seconds. But the big deal for the, the broad fan base is how Cyborg uh, called out Ronda Rousey, which would be a big one after the fight, and also... Um, you know, if they would meet maybe maybe at 140 pounds or something like that, right, Tone? Yeah, I mean, she's calling out a person who fights at 135 when she's saying she won't fight at 135. Ronda's saying she won't fight above 135. So it's basically a lot of trash talk that if this fight ever does happen, it's not going to probably be for a couple years, and it'll probably won't be Master as big prime. of a fight well, as it When was. they need that last paycheck. Well, speaking of steroids, though, and, and we're talking about pounds, the last fight, I'm not even just saying this for shock value, but the last fight Ronda was in when she when she got knocked the heck out by Holly Holm, she did look much softer. And I was reading an article on Facebook about um, a lot of the different UFC fighters that look a lot uh, different once the they started testing. I forget the name of the rule. What's the name of that? Um, the UFC partnered with uh, USADA, which is the U.S. anti-doping agency. Exactly, the anti-doping. So yeah. now, that, now it's like if you're fighting in the U.S., for like a card coming up in the yep. U.S., you can be randomly tested at any point in time. And once that was passed, Ronda Rousey yeah, made the you, list on looking looking soft, and she did. And, and 145 pounds. When she, I mean, I know she had to make weight for the 135 pound matchup against Holm when she got knocked out. But man, when she was in the in the ring, she was looking soft and looked like she could have been in the well, 150s like she was a or 160. Slow, so the head kick hit her, but well, she looked fat. I'm serious. I don't. We can kind of get into it in a little bit if you want to, guys. But I don't get how Brazil just – they don't test for steroids, so you're allowed to take steroids and fight. I mean, we know Silva well, taking mean, No, they don't have a commission down there. They don't have an athletic But the UFC there. can't come in and say, like, you're good. The you're UFC take- can do testing. But at the same time, I mean, the UFC now, because there's been so many questions about their testing, that's why they kind of partnered with USADA for USADA to do the out-of-competition testing. testing. 
I just okay. In the Tour de France, for if those who don't know, you get off your bike, you piss right then and there. You piss in a cup. Obviously, Lance Armstrong circumvented the system, but you, I feel like you step out of the ring, you should take a piss right there. That you should have to piss four times a week in a cup. These people are punching each other in the face. You shouldn't be allowed to take steroids. I'm all for steroids in baseball. Let's get some fucking home runs going. But if you're punching <laughs> somebody, you can't be at HGA's testosterone all that crap. Yeah, I mean, they test. It's just different down there, brother. Okay, yeah, I so. mean, here's the thing: is like when the it's one of those things where when there's not a commission, and especially with USADA and the out of competition testing. Now, like with steroids, a lot of people will talk about timing your cycle, where you're gonna so your you're gonna take yeah you're gonna take steroids early on in your camp, not later on in your camp. That way, then when you piss, you piss clean. And you're good to go, even though you're on steroids. I'm not sure how it works in the UFC, but in uh, I know in baseball, you're allowed to have four times the normal human amount of testosterone in you. So you can get away with some doping even there. But Well, I mean, the UFC at one point in time, you're allowed to do uh, TRT, which is testosterone replacement therapy. So that's where you saw a lot of these guys, especially once they hit like 35, and they're still fighting. And now they're fighting better than they were when they were 33. Because now they're getting testosterone boost. Yeah, how do you like, think every my boy, couple weeks? My boy Chael Sonnen went five rounds with Silva and almost beat him. He was on TRT. Oh yeah, he was on TRT. All right, and let's quit talking about TRT and let's talk about the main event: bringing that heavyweight belt back to the United States. Did anybody who was favored in this fight, Tony? Fabrizio Verdun was favored. He's a pretty good fighter, from what I gather. Yeah, I mean, Steve Miocic is kind of known as a striker. But and not, he knocked him out, right? Yeah, he did knock him out. I he mean, kind of knocked him out, almost walking away from the highlight I saw. Kind of got him. Yeah, he he kind of he caught him with a counter punch there, knocked him out. But it's one of those things where that fight. I mean, Fabricio's a beast on the ground with his jujitsu, and but he's also got really good hands too. So it was one of those where he was believed to be the favorite, and it was one of those. Oh well, Stipe is kind of you know if he gets lucky, he'll get the win. Which Fabricio is already kind of saying, oh, he got lucky. I want an immediate rematch. Let's do it at UFC 200. Which just seems to be the new big one. Every fighter, when what? they lose, they just want a rematch. Yeah, yeah like, I want a rematch that's, at 200. Let's make this card even like. bigger. I, I like the, the ultimate fighting championship. I like that they wrestle and they punch. Because you have to be a diverse person to be involved in it. But everybody who gets knocked out, it's the same story. People will say it that are in all those corners. This is, oh, he caught him with a lucky punch. It's not luck to knock somebody out. I've punched... You before Tony and Frank's punched me before, and I haven't knocked out. But there was no knockouts in any of these scenarios. I'm not saying you guys can't knock me out. I'm saying it takes a certain skill to make another man sleep when they're standing up. You know what I'm saying? I'm sick. Of, I don't want to hear the term "lucky punch" ever again. Is what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I mean, well, a big part of it's you know you gotta have the timing down. You gotta catch him in the right spot, and you gotta have enough force behind it because it's one of those where a lot of times when you see knockouts, the guy who's getting punched is leaning into the punch a little bit. So that guy maybe puts a little more power, and also you catch him in the right spot. Well, what are we breaking down the punch for here? I missed something. I had to step aside from it. What's the argument? We're just talking about how, We're like, talking about how people say a the knockout lo- is a, a really lucky, lucky punch, shot. and now Verdun wants a rematch at 200 and just... Do well, you, probably how are you for it? Not at 200. I don't think he should get a rematch at 200, and I don't, I don't think he will, but I don't really believe in lucky punches. And then you guys mentioned, uh, referenced the Aldo fight. I don't think that was a lucky punch. I think that it was... Uh, Rare. Uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? It was not not a very common occurrence to happen. I think if you run enigma? that fight back, it was no. It was it was easy to understand. I just think if you run that fight back ten times, I don't think that's going to happen nine of them. Yeah, but it's I not luck. I just think uh, he earned that knockout. I just think that that was very okay, very so fortunate. Now we have uh, old Stepe Miocic. Is there a heavyweight yeah, champion? Stepe Miocic. Right? Okay. Yeah. So uh, who's the next contender up if there's not a rematch? I'm thinking Alistair Overeem. Doesn't he have a steroid issue, too? That's yeah, he used to be on roids big time, too. They all do. Yeah, you know what? I actually want to see that, though, because Overeem's the man. Overeem, I mean, Overeem is the guy who, uh, when Brock Lesnar was Brock Lesnar, this beast, and then he had that whole uh, issue with diverticulitis, and he was out. So he you know, had like surgery on his bowels and everything, and of course, they're like, oh, you're going to fight Overeem, and let's watch him kick you in the stomach 50 times, and you... Just yeah, fall over. that's pretty sick. It seems like the heavyweight division has a lot of turnover in the title spot. Unlike, well, John Jones has an interim title now, I guess. But that division was taken care of. Then Silva held down middleweight for a really long time. Yeah, now it's uh, Luke Rockhold. I'm not. I'm just saying these I mean, divisions normally you have like a long time champion. Do you think uh, Miocic is going to be able to hold it up there? Or do you think he's going to get beat? 
I mean, the so I'm not saying next fight. I'm saying in the near future. Like he, I'm talking. Let's go over under. We'll put the uh, three title defenses or two title defenses. Do you think he can make it to a third fight as a champion or under two, or take the line at two? I take the under just because, especially nowadays, there's just so much uh, volatility. You're not seeing these guys who are extremely dominant because every there's so many guys that are getting really good and. When you have these elite fighters who are the same skill level pretty much going up against each other, it's a 50-50 shot who's going to win a lot of times. All right, Frankie, what are you thinking here? Do you think he can uh, make it through a couple tight defenses over or under a line? I'm not even dissing you, man. I just think that's a little bit too far ahead. But I, I will answer the question like this. I think that fighters in general, no matter what the weight class, I think the end, it's an end of an era as far as the long-term champion goes, like the Silvas and the Jose Aldos. I don't think that's... Uh, going to be. The, I don't think that's going right? to be. I don't think that's going to be the case going further. You're going to see that there's just so much competition, and I think the longevity of the belts in general are going to go a lot shorter. It's a whole new era. Which is no more Silvas, yep. no more John Jones dominating. Nope. Not Besides even. Uh, Demetrius Johnson down there, nobody looks like he can take oh, him. Yeah, but I mean, Mighty he's kind of like the. He's been a champion for a while. Where he's kind of. He's a going, he's a dying he, breed. Is what yeah, he's kind of. All but right. also, I mean, that's a developing division, too, I Because as much as I Tony think. knows about UFC, is pretty much as little as I know. I pretty much only tune in for the big fights, and then Tony explained the rest to me. So I'm just trying to get educated. I hope the fans are getting educated, too. Uh, let's move on to an even more exciting topic. There's rumors, and I'm not even saying it's going to happen. I just want to talk about it because it's going to be fun. Connor versus Floyd in a boxing match. Who do you think is going to win? Would you pay to see it? Let's go talk about it. Floyd will uh, run away and dodge punches, and he'll win on points because that's what he does. And Real yeah. hot take there, Tone. Well, what the fuck? You're putting a boxer against a UFC fighter in a boxing match. The boxer's going to win. Well, same, McGregor did tweet today, point. I run boxing. Yeah. Okay, they're, they're both teasing. Let's settle down, guys. They're both teasing a little bit with, with the idea of them fighting. I don't think they will, but it's ridiculous to even – think that Floyd Mayweather could get in a UFC match. If he fought Conor McGregor in a UFC That's match... That's why he wants to fight him in fucking I know, well, that's boxing. That's what I'm saying. Let me finish, Tony. If he fights him in a UFC fight, he would get his head ripped off. He'd get choked out. He'd get kicked the hell out of him. He, it, there's no chance. If they boxed, the same goes for McGregor. He would get his, he would get his ass kicked. There's just no, there's no argument here. They're not going to do a kickboxing match. Floyd would only do a boxing match. And I think McGregor, honestly, might even do a boxing match. I don't think... I don't think Floyd, you just referenced, he would have to run away. I don't think he would have to run away. I think he'd just outbox the shit out of him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any real debate about this. But the reason why I think it's even a possibility, McGregor, for all his antics and all the things, he's really about that paycheck. And boxers make... I was actually talking last night about this. So if he boxes him, you figure his purse is going to be somewhere around $300 million if he fights him. Because we're going to tune in. You know what I mean? Even we're gonna tune in McGregor. McGregor and Floyd. They're Fox, saying his is gonna, his purse is gonna be like ten million if he boxes Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, they can share the pay per view guys. It's gonna be more than that. Well, they're saying like the purse for the fight. Oh, not, not like the, the, I'm talking the money he's gonna make, not the you're, purse. You're including the pay per view like bonus. And everything yeah. Okay. Like that. So yeah, he's gonna make this huge amount of money. McGregor just in his loss was the first person to gross seven figures in a UFC fight. Boxing isn't nearly as popular as a. Uh, UFC, but these boxers make way more money. I just see no reason for Conor not to do it, even if he gets knocked out. The cash is right. I'll get knocked out by Floyd for $300 million. Well, he can knock me out and shove a fist up my ass for all I care. Well, there's another, there's a whole other aspect to it that I was just also reading about. I didn't have time to finish it before the show, but McGregor is under con- contract by the UFC. There's a lot of paperwork and commission. Yeah, there's tons of to clauses do. that will keep him from However, doing I do, it. I do agree with you on the fact that Pacquiao and especially Mayweather made a ridiculous amount of money on that last fight, and boxers in general make a ridiculous amount of money, and it's boring. I mean, we all we all got to, we all got together and watched it, and I mean that was a boring fight. And I think UFC fighters, even the worst UFC fights, are more exciting than that. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Boxing, I just don't get how they make all this money. And the UFC just got is just sucking up all the pay per view buys, right? That's why the fighters don't get that much money. Well, I mean, a lot of the fighters do get a portion of the pay per view buys. It's just the fact that the disclosed purses in boxing are a lot bigger. But a lot of those undercard fighters, unless you're the main event, you're not getting a percentage of the pay-per-view buys. Where the headliners are getting the percentage, where in the UFC it's kind yeah, of more well, evenly I mean, split. If you're headlining in boxing, you're making more money than you're headlining in UFC. 
and it's a less popular sport, is the point I'm trying to make. And that's why I think that this actually entices Connor because Connor really did. He was living off welfare at one point, going to the gym to work out to be a fighter. If he if he sees in his chance that three hundred million dollars is going to take it, yeah, but. I'm I mean, not saying it's obviously not going to happen, but I understand yeah. his logic when thinking. Well, the thing that gets me in this whole thing is who started the rumor that this was this fight was going to happen. I have no idea. Floyd was the first one. Yeah, to... Floyd started this rumor, and when did he start it? After the retirement thing, I don't know. Right before the Amir Khan, uh, Canelo Alvarez. Fight? Yeah, Canelo Alvarez fight. So basically, he started that rumor right before that pay per view, which this is common Floyd tactics. Anytime there's about to be a big boxing match that doesn't involve him, there's some rumor about him fighting somebody or him doing something that takes away from that fight. Yeah, classic Floyd. I would like to see it, though, honestly. Would you guys tune in? I would. Obviously, yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's like... You just said Frank's head pop up on that one. Of course we'd tune in. It's McGregor versus Mayweather. I don't think it's ever going to happen. I really don't think it's going to happen either, but it's a fun thing to talk about. We like what-ifs in this world. I think it was fun, but it's time to move on. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Revolutionary Sports Front for life. RSF. All right, so we're back, even though uh, Jerry earlier was saying baseball needs steroids because they're not punching each other. We're going to talk about some brawling in baseball. So, Jerry, what's going on with that? All right, so... uh, Today, in a Toronto Blue Jays games, there was a bench-clearing brawl in which Tisa got punched in the face really hard. It's a great video. You should YouTube it. But we're not going to talk about the fight necessarily besides the fact that Batista needs to get his hands up. We're going to talk about whether or not this should keep happening in baseball. Every year we see a couple of these, three, four, five. We got guys who are like born to throw baseball, so they're born to throw a right or a left pretty much. They run after each other. They make more money than anybody else in their sport, the big contract guys, and they're just getting punched in the face. Like, do you guys think this fighting in baseball should just stop? Like, both sides should say, like, we're not going to fight anymore. All teams should sign something that says no more leaving the dugout. Okay, first of all, I'm surprised to even hear that someone actually got punched in the face when a bench-clearing brawl occurred. Yeah, normally it's a bunch of shouting at each other, maybe a little shoving. It's a bunch of hold me back, hold me back, pom-pom waving guys out Don't let me go, don't let me go. Don't let me go, exactly. You know, and as far as the whole topic of baseball, I mean... It is what it is. I mean, you could just punish him a little bit more, but it's going to happen no matter what. But I just think it's a bunch of crap. You know, the guys get pissed about one thing, they get pissed about another, they all run out there and start yelling. And like I just said, it's a bunch of, you know, hold me back, don't make me, don't make me. It was uh, the Texas Rangers' Ragnar Odar that punched Batiste in the face, if you were wondering. Yeah, well, the, the same concept applies. I just think that. No, I, I don't think that baseball. There's unless they're going to do like they do in hockey and actually drop the gloves. And yeah, I'd love to see if baseball just had you know the first baseman and the batter like actually fight one on one and they would break it up when one guy gets on top. Hell yeah! But none of this shoving around. It just wastes time. Baseball takes long enough as it is. You know, friend, I very very well said there. Wake you know, up when it's over. I'm glad you brought up hockey because that was what I was thinking about. Because I'm against fighting in baseball. I think it's stupid because it all is a little. Bunch of just hold me back, hold me back. Let me go, let me go, hold me back. Yeah, hold me if back. Verlander pegs Prince Fielder with a ball, and there's an issue with it, they should meet up between halfway in the from the mound and the plate and scrap, and then the ump can t- pull off whoever's winning. Other than that, I don't want to see it. Yeah, but so that's what's great. And hockey, you need the fighting because if you land, a, if you let's say you slash a good player to the leg, the reason why that doesn't happen more is because there's this fear of the enforcer coming and beating the shit out of you, like Bertuzzi when he almost killed that guy. In baseball. If you do, if you get buzzed by a pitch, your pitcher can then buzz them. There's repercussions that don't involve fighting. In hockey, we need the fighting. In baseball, unless you're doing going to do what Frank says and break him up with something that's on top, you know, quit doing it. Everybody, I mean, yeah, it's just all the teams are out on the field. They yell and shout, maybe a little shoving, and then half the time when somebody actually does throw a punch, they throw a punch that doesn't even hurt the guy, and then it's like some pitcher that threw the punch and broke his hand. And now he's out for her. Yeah, Zach Rink got hit by the guy. Who's out. Three months, it was just horrible. Like I don't, I don't get why baseball. I think it's because baseball players know they play the softest sport, and so they, so try they want to act, act a little hard. Because yeah, baseball is only sport where you can be freaking like three fifty out of shape as hell and still play. David Ortiz DH and for the Red Sox and football. Players, David Wells throwing perfect games while he's drunk as shit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess there's three hundred pound people in the NFL, well, but they I, run like a four let's five get, forty. Let's not get too crazy on bashing baseball players. There is out of shape ones, and yes, you can be out of shape to play baseball. 
However, there are a bunch of tremendous athletes in the NBA. Oh, yeah. They're, they, they're thanks, other thanks for grounding me, Frank. You're, you're right. You're taking it a little far, but I'm I like it. I'm just saying they fight to prove a point that never gets proven, and it's boring, and I don't want to see it. It's Most of them are just a bunch of pillow fighters, man. I, I agree with you there, 100%. There's just no need for it. unless you're good. And that's one more thing I wanted to say. These pitchers that are purposely hitting people with, uh, with balls, they should be forced to fight if the batter wants to because when it's intentional like that, I think that uh, there should be some more repercussions. As you know, there's this unspoken gamesmanship of the pitcher being, you know, them being able to peg the guy with the ball. That is ridiculous. Those things they throw over 100 miles an hour. I think that's just completely yeah, bullshit. Yeah, they should be pegging people. And then like people get mad, like uh, you flip a bat the wrong way, and then the next game you're supposed to get oh, pegged. That's, that's fine. It's I like the bat flip, but if you want to stop someone from bat flipping. Like you're fighting, you know what I mean? No, no, no fight him. Just strike him out. Don't let him hit a home yeah. run off you. Yeah, don't That's let him take your yard, solution. bro. Like, Be better at your job. They, they act like it's this huge insult when Jose Batista flipped the bat last year. It's like, dude, he just hit a sick play. That's really the only celebration. There's no touchdown dances in baseball. It's the only thing we got. Yeah, what's he gonna do? Salsa his way around the bases. <laughs> You know, maybe they should. Maybe I mean, if I ever hit a home run, which I never would, I'd be butt naked around those bases. Add some excitement to the goddamn sport. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, baseball. It's just, and then you got the guys staring. Like something will happen. You got the guys staring them down. Or yeah, they they, they stare just, down on the like the. If you peg them, they just stare them as they walk to first. It's like great. It's like a reality. You're both show. making thirty million dollars to play a game. It's America's pastime, not America's favorite sport for a reason. Like just walk, get it over with. You know, half the time when you cut to the guy in first. They're like joking with the other team. There's no animosity at all. You and see Miggy on first base? Yeah, Miggy at first base looks like he's holding freaking open auditions or he's something. He's everyone in the ass. And how are you doing? How's your kids? How's your family? You should come down and have some tequila with me. I'll hit my wife again. You know? Wow. I'm just saying he got a free pass on hitting his wife. and As that's he deserved. Miggy can do whatever he wants. He does get have, as drunk as he wants. He does have the first triple crown in, what, 20-some-odd years? Something like yeah. that? Okay, so, so to answer the question, I think we can all agree: no bench clearing brawls. That's stupid. Yeah, I'm I'm done with it. I think baseball needs to enforce it better, especially with all this concussion crap going on now. We're gonna punch people in the face. All yeah. right, you wanted to bring up something. We're, we're moving along from that. You wanted to bring up something. You uh, came across an article regarding the running back D'Angelo Williams. I'll let yeah, you take okay, it off. Okay, so little D'Angelo Williams just gave this interview. I think I don't know if he was giving it to parents or giving it to kids, but he's standing next to a guy. He gives the interview. He says, my daughter, you know, she was running a race. She was in first. She slowed up. Is that your black voice? No, it's just my voice. You oh, want me to do I my thought, black voice? Yeah, do your black voice. All right. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so we're just going to go completely racist here? Got it. No, no, we're not going to go racist. All right, so D'Angelo Williams, long oh, story short, he was like, yo, my daughter, she... <laughs> She oh was in first, then she went to fall. No. <laughs> all right, all right. That's all I wanted. That's all right. Well, anyways, long story short, she had a participation ribbon for fourth. You'll get first, second, and third place trophies or ribbons. Then everybody else got participation on fourth place ribbon, nothing like that. So he went back to the people, politely said, don't give my daughter participation ribbons. Gave the ribbon back. The daughter was like, I want a ribbon, Dad. I want a ribbon. He said, you know what? You, you got to earn a ribbon. First, second, and third, we keep the ribbon. You're not you're getting one for fourth. She went out there, then she got two, a first and two silvers. I'm not saying she was inspired. Maybe she was facing with kids. But I want to talk about the participation ribbon in sports. This is a good time to bring it up because it's kind of a slow sports cycle. And, like, how do you guys feel about it? Uh, I think it's a little bit ridiculous. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have some participation trophies and ribbons, but they're all in a box in my attic, and I don't think they should have given them to me in the first place. I think that we have here, you have written down, Maybe an age limit of four. I can see that. you got to get people participating, especially nowadays with obesity and kids getting fat and all these video games that you guys play. Uh, it's just the physical activity. This I like what the NFL is doing with Play 60. Participation is very important. I can't stress that enough, man. I, uh, my kid definitely will be participating. However, after the age of four, even five, six, if you want to go as far as seven, no more than seven, you uh, you got to teach the kids to, to that competition is real in sports is a big deal and if you want them to go that far and you spend all that money i'm not saying be the dad that you know takes your kid to a corner and scours them and beats them for not doing good i was just watching something about the, the o'sullivan the nhl player today that's a whole other topic for another day but i'm saying part no to participation ribbons after the age of between four and seven no you got to teach them that there's a first a second and there's a winner and a loser and that's just like anything in life i really like that you bring up that uh we need to get these kids active because obesity really has become a problem especially childhood obesity and that's just sad. So what we need to do is get them out there. But I think there should never be participation, Reverend. I think they should think the reward is getting to go outside and play. Like, they should want to do that. You should teach them that even if you don't come in first, at least you're doing something physical and active and get out there. We played soccer with kids. 
You played hockey, Frank. Me and Tony played soccer. You know, these kids, they don't need a participation room. I knew when I was getting a trophy at the AYSO season that my team sucked and we lost most years. And, I, and yeah. no one we won. They were score like, capped. I don't know. Not, none of this, oh, we're not going to keep a score because then you have winners and losers and it hurts kids' feelings. Guess what? That hurting their feelings makes them want to improve and get better. Exactly. Or maybe they learn that, you know, I'm trying really hard and I'm not improving. Let me find something that my talents are good at. I think they say it best in the Mighty Ducks, as sad as it is, a tie is like kissing your sister. You learn more from a loss. You really do. Like, you have to take some L's in life before you learn how to succeed. You know what I mean? And not everyone was, is gifted. You and Tony were both smart, gifted children. Not all these children nowadays are smart. No offense, guys. Just, some kids just aren't smart. So what happens is they get conditioned that, you know, Johnny Doughboy is going to be out here and he's going to not. He's going to participate. And all of a sudden, he's getting this ribbon or this trophy at you know in preteens into teenage years, and he's going to think, "Oh, all I got to do is just show up, and I'm just going to you know, I'm going to get a ribbon anyways." And it turns into laziness, and it just defeats the whole purpose of everything. Yeah, that's a, it. Really does. I agree with you 100. percent It was like I was watching Friday Night Tights on Netflix, which is a horrible like it's a good show to watch, but it's horrible how they treat these kids. And at the end of the year, this team's like, yeah, if we don't make the playoffs, we ain't getting trophies. Guess what? They don't make the playoffs. The mom's bitch. They give them trophies. And it's like they need, a, they need something for like to represent how much work they put in. And it's like the fact that they're physically strong at the end of the season should be how they see themselves as getting better or something, a reward from the season. A trophy participant, it doesn't make any sense. It's actually a waste of plastic that's filling up our landfills. It's called getting motivation. I mean – and I'm not trying to – I'm not with the whole wussification stuff. Like, that's a little bit too far. But let's just, But at the same time, I mean, that's like – I kind of said it earlier. Like, as soon as I could – That like sting of defeat score. is what motivates you to get better. Like, you hear all these football players who talk about like, oh, yeah, losing that game. I just really kicked it into high gear in my offseason workouts this year because – I'm pissed. I gotta get. I want yeah, that Super Bowl. Exactly. Ring. We were watching the Bad Boys Thirty for Thirty the other day, featuring Terry Foster, and that's they lost <laughs> to the Lakers in one of the worst ways. Isaiah blows out his ankle, scores twenty five points in a quarter on one ankle, and there wasn't a foul on the play. LA gets the free throws. They get a win by a point. That motivated him the next season. You think that Isaiah and that team would have came back all fired up in their bellies and be like, you know what, guys? You did pretty good. We're going to split the trophy in half. Who cares? It's the one-point game. Let's all go be friends. No, it's about winning and losing. It's sad that life's like that, but, you know, sometimes it's, you know, let the big dog eat. It's a, life's it's an, not fair. It's an old saying in sports, and it just goes along with what you just said. It's just when you take a tough loss, you know, it's just good to have a good friend or someone there to say, remember how you feel right now because it doesn't feel good when you lose, and it's a good yeah, – it's, don't it's a lot of positive like benefits. It's like Rocky said. From. It's not about being able to take a hit. It's about being able to take a hit, go keep, down. And keep going. And keep getting back up. It's about how hard you can get hit. Like get I, back I, you know, oh, wait, can I just say one thing? This is what's going to turn into, though. This, all this crap that we're talking about, the hippies are going to come out, and it's going to somehow lead to bullying or some other ridiculous topic that we're hearing about with all these things in 2016, and that's dumb because it's a real thing that we're talking about here. We're not just saying it to, to be funny or whatever. Kids got to learn how to lose and how to not just fall succumb to just being lazy. True bullying is pretty messed up, but, but there should be some picking yeah, on school. Because I was picked on a little One bit, thing I did want to... You know what I mean, all the moms. I know exactly what you're saying. Like, it's oh, going to happen. My kid, like, I don't want my kid coming home and crying. And it's like... Give him a ribbon. Then have your kid work at it. Like, if you, if you want to be a good basketball player, you can't just show up to practice when practice is scheduled. If you lose, like, you're not good, you're not making shots, you know what you should be doing? In your driveway, shooting threes, practicing and dribbling up and down. You think Steph Curry at seven years old was just showing up to AAU once a week just... Hop, skipping, just draining threes. No, he was hanging on NBA He's, locker room doing drills with NBA players to get It's just done. ridiculous. The amount of work it takes to be a professional athlete is absurd. And if these kids want to play sports, they shouldn't be rewarded for not succeeding. No, you shouldn't ever be rewarded for not succeeding in your life. And if everyone doesn't want to compare it to sports, look at, look at your typical college syllabus. We all went to college. A lot of our listeners did. You look at the college syllabus, the very bottom, you always see a 10%, maybe sometimes if you're lucky, 20% participation. You always see that, but 40 and 40 are for the midterm and the final. You don't pass you know, the class point, just, right? for, just for participating. It's 10%, 20%. Everyone shows up. That's a minimum. You sh- as a parent, as a, as a little brother, friend, older brother, you have the kids show up. Of course. If you don't, then you've got a real problem if you they're know, not I'm showing actually up. hearing there's people talking about that the pressures are actually getting to colleges on them being too hard on the kids. Like The kids are crying so much and they're paying so much money, they're going to start making college easier. And that does nothing. It weakens us as a society. And that's not good. It's their metaphorical ribbon then. Yeah, I mean, here's my thing. Everybody has their strengths at some point in time. And one of the ways you find where your strengths are 
is you have to also find where your weaknesses are. So, yes, you're going to fail sometimes. You know, really well put. Because I'll never dunk. And I know that. No matter how many leg lifts I do, no matter how to train, I'll never dunk. I'll never be a professional NBA player. Yeah. But well, I always have been good at math. And I turned that into a little, I started a tutoring service pass. And I used that to succeed. Yeah, but, I mean, like, one of the things that I wanted to say also with this is D'Angelo Williams did the giving the participation room back. James Harrison, another... James Harrison's clip is a lot funny. D'Angelo Williams is pretty serious when he said... James Harrison's is really funny. I think he snaps his kid's participation trophy Yeah, but these are NFL players. And most professional athletes, yeah, they're extremely talented, but they're also extremely hardworking. They worked hard at that talent to be able to become a professional at playing a game. You know Basically, I think we're all in agreement here, and I definitely know Joey would be in agreement on this topic. And I think actually most sports fans are in a way. I think it's the people who don't like sports that have a problem with it because they just think like, "Oh, I don't like sports," so my kid instead of like making them feel bad about something I don't care about, it's almost more about the parent not wanting to deal with their kid crying to deal with them learning what a loss is. Yeah, at some point, it's like be a parent. Yeah, it's yeah, be a parent. Be like, yeah, I mean, sometimes you know you're gonna lose. It's like when they had commercials, but you got a choice here. You can try and get better at it, and maybe you realize, hey, I'm not that great at it, and you find something else you're good at, though. Well, those right. people that you mentioned, I just hope that makes me have hope that the rapture is a real thing, and those people just get taken away when, when it comes. <laughs> well, wow. That's very true. I think we've uh, started to be a dead horse on this topic because we all agree, and you so, know, without debate, so no ribbons then. No ribbons. Today's a day of finalizing things, so we're, it's final. No final, ribbons no ribbons. For no, no more than four years old. All right, and I just got the Texas perfect timing. We're moving to the NHL playoffs. Joey's ready to go. We'll be back. Revolutionary Sports Front, revolutionarysportsfront.com. Gerard Preston's the man. Hashtag Jerry's Team Jerry for life. <laughs> wow, I can't believe you're really trying to start that. Thanks, Dan. Wow. All right, and we're back just in the nick of time. We are now joined by the fourth member of our team. Joe, what, did you swim across there or did you take the ferry? Uh, <laughs> I took the ferry, boys. Uh, it's a little bit quicker than driving all the way around. Welcome. That's the thing about Washington. There's lakes everywhere. There's there's sounds everywhere. There's rivers everywhere. There's water everywhere, boys. So I took the water ferry. everywhere. Well, we're we're here to talk about NHL now. So why don't you break down what's yeah, going Joe's on? Yeah, Joe's favorite topic. Going out Hell west. Yeah. Actually, happened a couple miles south of you right now. San Jose versus St. Louis. Well, well, first, I, I got to explain myself real quick for being late on the show. I just got back from uh, from a graduation this weekend, the sec- second graduation of the month. Uh, the first one was my sister getting uh, commissioned in the Air Force. Congratulations, Hannah. And the second was uh, my future brother-in-law, Brandon Guerra, um, graduating from Southern Methodist University. So congratulations to him, too. Good um, to get through college. I'm happy for him. I, I got I to got, I put those throwouts out there. They listen to the show. Um so, so there's that. Well, throw Brandon again. Adkins in there, um, too, because he's a fan of ours. There you go. There's my shout-out, Brandon. Okay, keep going. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll west. Uh, so we had, we had uh, the Nashville and San Jose series wrap-up. San Jose, when they're at home, they look like a powerhouse, man. They've always been a powerhouse at home. Um, but, uh, you know, right now they're, they're down one uh, against St. Louis. This is the series I wanted to see after the first round when I, when I looked at the second-round matchups. I wanted to see St. Louis go head-to-head with uh, San Jose. I think they got pretty good defensive matchups. I think the offenses are uh, are both sizable and, and bring a lot of physicality. So I want to see seven games of San Jose and, and St. Louis. But ultimately, I think San Jose is going to take the cake. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Frankie, but uh, you know Joe Thornton seems to be having a very, very good postseason, which in the past, uh, the postseason seemed to be kind of like his bugaboo. Um, he, he used to kind of choke in the postseason. Him and Marlowe were actually the ones – Leading the charge, and then Pavelski looks like a man possessed. So, uh, yeah, I'll pick San Jose uh, in that series right now in seven. I've always been a big, big uh, Joe Pavelski fan. Uh, I think it's crazy. There's two teams historically known for choking in the playoffs. That are one of them is going to be the first time they went to the Stanley Cup for one, e- either one of them, right? Yeah, you know. And the thing is, too, it's we're so used to the Blues being kind of Detroit's whipping boy. Um, yeah, I remember the, wasn't it. Know, uh, Stevie Eisman got that goal on him late in game seven or in overtime from like really far away. If I'm yeah, it was uh, 96, double overtime, game seven, round two. Um, Eisman came up through the middle. I think he took a pass from uh, Fatisov, and he, he came up o- over on the uh, the right-hand side, right on the blue line, took a slap shot, and got it by, uh, I think it was John Casey was their goalie at the time. And, Great uh, Joe. And that, that, that team actually featured... Wayne Gretzky up front for the, they 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 picked him up late in the season, 
at the trade deadline. And so the Blues with Wayne Gretzky uh, got beat by the Red Wings. So, you know, we talk so about So what you're joking. saying is Steve Eisman's better it, than Wayne Gretzky. What's that? I'm just joking. I said Steve Eisman's better than Gretzky, but... Uh, oh. <laughs> no. I mean, so you, you want to talk about a team that traditionally chokes. You know, there you go. They had the yeah, great they, one, and they, uh, they, they choked that year. So, um, yeah, it would be interesting if they go to the final. All right, uh... Frank, how are you feeling about the series? I don't really know what to think about these playoffs, man. The more I, the more I think I have a big grip on it, the less I seem to know. I thought Washington was going to take it down; they let me down. I, I thought I had a good grasp on, on the Predators, and I owe Joe twenty-five push-ups. I thought the Lightning sucked, and later. they're looking like they're going to go to the Stanley Cup. I just, I, for the NHL being my favorite topic that we do on the show outside of Lions season, I don't know much at all. I guess. Yeah, I just seeing San Jose this deep in the playoffs and like really looking like they have a good shot, even though they're down two-one right now. It's crazy to me, like that teal color being played right now having that teal color on the ice this late in the year you know it's stunning to me personally tony what are you thinking about this series yeah i mean these are both teams that detroit used to face a lot in the playoffs and beat a lot in the playoffs when detroit is out west and now we're seeing them succeed so i guess the key to their success was detroit moving out east well look at san jose i mean joe just said he's naming names like thornton and pavel and marlowe and it just goes to show that these guys have been good for years. I mean, we yeah, we used to beat up on San Jose and, and St. Louis, but, I mean, for the couple years there, even when the Wings were somewhat competing, the Sharks were taking us down with Marlowe and Thornton. I thought those guys were a lot older than they are, even though they are veterans. I really want to see the Sharks win. I think it would be cool to see uh, the Sharks make the Stanley Cup, but I think St. Louis has this series. I, th- I mean, obviously that's easy to say because they're probably going to win this game. They're up 2-1 right now. But there's just something about them. It's almost like they're skating like they're possessed. Like they're really playing as a team. I know Pawalski, Marlowe, and Thornton are doing really good. Their goal is keeping them in there. But Elliott's playing out of his mind. Elliott was also, I just saw, on the team that Pawalski was on at Wisconsin. But something about the Blues, they're going to go. They're going to come out of the West. I'll say this. The Blues have a very good defense. And, uh, you know, they play that traditional Ken Hitchcock style defense first. And they have a, a, a superstar goal scorer who's probably one of the more underrated uh, superstars in the league and Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, I was just going to say, Tarasenko doesn't get nearly the press that I think he should because that guy is an absolute monster on the ice. Well, he plays for St. Louis, and he'll probably start getting it now, but, I mean, you can see why. It just nobody cares, yeah, really. No one really cares until now. And, yeah, it, it's just tough because they're not like, you know, in Chicago, you have Seabrook and, and Keith who are offensive defensemen, so their whole their whole team is very uh, offensive. They get a lot of points, you know, with Tavis and Kane up there. But, you know, in St. Louis, very defensive-minded, and they get a lot of their goals it's from a guy kind like Tarasenko. It's a working type of hockey, I would say. You, you know, you know with, with the you know the Russian players, he's, he's behind, you know, he's in Ovechkin's shadow. And then with pure goal scorers in the league, he's behind, you know, a few other guys. So it, it, it's tough, you know. He's just – he's not in the headlines, but the guy's a hell of a hockey player. I'm going to have to stick with you. There, Gerard says he picks St. Louis. I'm still going to – I'm not going to argue with you anymore, Joe. I've, I've fought you enough – I owe you push-ups. I'm just going to go with the Sharks to come out of the West at least. However, I think the East is still going to be to be decided, obviously. But it's just going to be – I'm not ready to make that commitment yet as to who's going to win the Cup, obviously. No, I'm not going to pick a Cup champion now at this point either. But, uh, Tony, have you given us a prediction on this series yet, San Jose, St. Louis? Uh, I think I'm going to go with San Jose to win it. Smart man. All right, so they're all on the Sharks. All right, I'll take the St. Louis, and what are you guys going to give me? A bowl of ice cream, a bowl of custard if I win? No. Oh, I figured something like that, but all right. Jerry, Jerry, you can do 25 push-ups if they win, and then you can do 50 if they lose. So either way, you're getting stronger, buddy. All right, thanks, Classic. <laughs> you know what? I'll put that next to my participation well, let's, let's head out east and talk let's, about – Come back the, east for us. The light. The Lightning are, you know, just they're just nonstop. I thought after that uh, that game six victory that Pittsburgh had over the Capitals, they fought adversity. They were up three. Washington came back, tied it at three. Pittsburgh ended up taking it down OT. I thought they had a lot of momentum going into this series, and quietly Tampa Bay just keeps coming and coming. Bishop had a scare with that injury, but it was came up negative. And he's day to day right now. He's day to day, and it's just I don't know. Tampa Bay seems to just keep shocking us don't they boys yeah that's what is so crazy about the Tampa Bay thing and I think it uh I think it speaks to how good of a GM that Steve Eiserman has he's he built a team down there that's built to last and can play without their stars yeah and, you know, they're playing really good hockey and I'm not surprised that they're good 
I'm surprised because I think they're a great team. And this is the first time I've ever said that about the Tampa Lightning. Yeah, uh, I mean, they just keep winning. Real insightful, know, Tony. What's going the, on, this Joe? Team, this team was in the cup final last year, man. They got experience, and that's for sure. And uh, what's even scarier is they're doing it without Strawman and Stamkos. So, uh, you know, it begs the question, you know, in, they're, they're both expected to be back this series. And, I mean, these guys, these guys have played 11 games thus far and lost two. They're, so right now, the, these guys are 9-2, and two, um, three rounds into the playoffs, and that, that's, that's insane. One of them was to us. Yeah. Seems like yeah. forever ago that we were actually When there. we were playing them, you guys were all saying that, oh, Tampa Bay's not actually that good. We can take them. I was the one that said Tampa Bay was going to win. Yeah, you're the new NHL expert, Gerard. You know what? Yeah, we'll just leave that title for Joey unless until he's wrong with the Sharks and right well, with the Blues, and I can take NHL expert. Of course, I was kidding. Well, I, I mean, you know they they look they look pretty vulnerable, but I mean, God, I mean, I I, I think uh, it's a combination of the you know their experience. Uh, they're they're in the final last year, and then they kind of just kind of in the locker room just a, an older like team now. They're they're pretty young last year when they made the final, and then this year they're they're all kind of rounding into their prime and. You know that the, the the message in the room is just gotta be just just keep winning and keep Steve's keep chugging winning, yeah. until we get Steve Steven Stamkos back. And God, I mean, when they get Stamkos back, I, I don't want to really make predictions, but geez, oh, Pete's, I mean, then what are you gonna cover? You know what I mean? Like the the Lions yeah, get the crazy thing is the Pittsburgh was the hottest team in the NHL coming in the playoffs, and I'm it's only been one game and three one whatever, but it seemed like Pittsburgh was on a roll. And this was going to be like pretty much they're going to roll through the East, in my opinion. And then I was shocked by the three-one uh, result, honestly. Yeah, it was three nothing for a while. Yeah, um, no- they looked way better than from what I-, I only saw about twenty minutes of the game. Yeah. They honestly were uh, pretty much manhandling for what I could see. It was a closer they're- game than it looked, but yeah. It's yeah, just- they're not rolling over the Lightning though. Like th- this is either going to go seven or the Lightning are going to take it in six or five. Uh, I-, I really think now looking at it, the Lightning are that good. And it still kind of makes you wonder, though, where where does that put the Red Wings? Because it's everyone wants to keep saying, like, I, and I, I do think they need to get a lot better in a, in, a, in a few different areas. But it's like, geez, you know, we're losing, we're kind, we're consistently losing to the teams that are either going to the final or winning the whole thing. So uh, it might be a little bit of a fanboy coming out of you, Joe. I don't know. I do get what he's saying, though. Because we were competitive I mean, in a lot of those games with them, and last year we should have beat them, but. I mean, a lot of things got bounced in the first round in five games. <laughs> I agree. Well, yeah, come on. Well, Ben Bishop well, also seems to get better game every time I watch him. It seems like he's getting better. You know, he's actually he turned into a little bit of a star out there, a little bit of a stud. Who? Ben Bishop, who? Goalie, ben oh Bishop. yeah, Bishop's been stealing some some games. Yeah, he's got these six seven, I believe, right? Well, Jesus, that game five we had against him, we had four breakaways. I mean. <laughs> Tell how to elevate the puck only. At the same time, however, I'm not going to lie, jockeys do creep the hell out of me. Tony, what are you thinking <laughs> in this series? I mean, like I was saying earlier, the, the Lightning keep winning. I think Joe made a great point with they've gained a lot of experience from uh, last year going to the finals and everything. So it's one of those situations where when you're looking at it, I mean, they've gained experience. And like we talked about with the participation trophies is sometimes that loss is what motivates is a lot of times what motivates you to get better and they've all, they've almost had the glory and they came so close and now they're coming back with a vengeance for it. Yeah, cuz didn't uh um Chicago had to win one of those games in overtime. They came back and had a really impressive victory in that series last year, right? Yeah, well, Chicago also had a pretty uh yeah, they they did win the one in overtime. They also had uh that game 5 win was they got a little bit of luck. There's that big collision with Hedman and, and Bishop, the two biggest guys in the series, and I think they both were a little nicked up after that. And and you know, uh, Sharp scoring that open net. Um, so I, I think that was the turning point of the series is when Bishop got hurt, he couldn't play, and, and Chicago just took advantage of it. And, and Hedman got hurt in the play too, because um, anything could happen in that game five. That was in uh, that was in Tampa. So so we can all agree that Tampa Bay's really impressed us. Um, no, yeah, for sure. Yeah, impressive. it's impressive and shocking. But I just, if we're, if we're making predictions, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna take the Lightning. And I've watched uh, that Capitals and Penguin series very closely. I've watched almost every game except one. And you know, for for my favorite announcer and being such a good series, I didn't hear much out of Crosby and Malkin. They, I mean, points wise, they might have done okay, 
But I'm telling you guys, something about those two, they're going to have to break out in the next upcoming games, and they're going to they're going to step it up, and they're going to take down they're going to take down the Lightning and represent the East in the finals. If we would have had this conversation before the Lightning were up one nothing, I would definitely said Pens. I thought the Pens actually. I don't want to admit it, being from Detroit, obviously we hate Crosby here, but I always thought the Pens were going to take it all down this year. They're but, still uh, going to take the East down for sure. You know what, Frank? You've convinced me. I'm taking the Penguins. Tony, who you got in the series? I can't pick the Penguins as a Detroit fan. I gotta go and pick. I didn't the say Lightning. I wanted them to win. I just said they're gonna. Tony, we're sports reporters here. We have to be subject or object. What's the right word there? Objective. Objective, objective not subjective. Fuck it. I'm being subjective. The Lightning. Also, though, some objective because that they are playing really great. I like hockey. that. Some objective. Tampa Bay. You know what? It makes me wish we had Steve Eisman here as a GM, but we already talked about that. Let's just keep it moving. Krasik, out to Washington. Who do you got? Uh, I'm taking the Lightning in six. The Lightning in six. In six. Woo. I just I, you think about it this way. They have the second leading score in the playoffs right now in Kucherov. Um, I think their defensemen are just – or I think Hedman, his, his game is rounding out right now. He's playing great. Um, and then in the goaltending, they, that Vasilevsky is not a bad backup. Um you know, he, he filled in whenever Bishop was hurt during the season, and the Lightning still ended up in top, you know, some of the tops of the conference. So, um, yeah, man, I, I'll, tell, I'll tell you, they're going to get a couple guys back this series, and it's not like they're just a couple of third line guys. I mean, these are superstars coming back in the lineup, and it's going to affect the series big time. I'm telling you, yeah. wait till Stamkos comes back on that power play. It's going to change everything. Um, it's going to fuel the Lightning. I think they're going to get energized by the, by the returns, and. Uh, and and after they come back, I mean that that's the series. It is pretty exciting stuff. Both uh, got conference finals in both um, NBA and NHL right now. It's pretty good TV since baseball kind of stinks. We all agree on that. But um, is that all we got on hockey? Any other comments anybody wants to add? Are we, just, are we gonna talk about Griffins or what? Oh, that that's on the next bullet point, Joey. Just pump the brakes. I just want any more judge. any more professional highest level of hockey. Oh, NHL yeah. hockey. Okay. You know, I think Frank, uh, Frank has something to say. It's all good. I, I forgot. All right, Krasik, I'll, I'll, to you. I will say this: both series are pretty. They're going to be fun series to watch. I'm I'm pretty satisfied with. I mean, I'm not satisfied because the wings are out, but I'm satisfied with the matchups. I think they're pretty good matchups. I think they're me. I'm going to continue to watch these series very closely. They are very entertaining. I really, really dig this St. Louis San Jose thing because I can't believe either one of them are there. It's just every time I see them skating, it's still freaking. You know, I get a little smile on my face. When I see him out there, but um, I mean San Jose was in a couple conference finals, uh, one against Chicago, one against Vancouver, not too long ago. So yeah, I mean they've, they've been around. It's Vancouver just, too. They, they make the playoffs be, last year. Whew! I'd be sad to be a Canucks fan, man. Or not the is it is the Vancouver Canucks? Right? Yeah, Vancouver's the Canucks. All right, yeah, it'd be sad to be them, but okay, let's uh, <coughs> let's wrap this up here. Joe's gonna give us our Griffin updates, and Frank his twenty five pushups before he hits arms at uh, his personal gym. Joe, what's going on with the Griffins? All right, guys. So they were down uh, three nothing in their series to the Lake Erie Monsters, the uh, the Lake Monsters there. Um, and then game four, they're down four to one, uh, going you know late in the second period, and Mantha put a pretty good wrist shot in, made it four to two. Um, and then throughout the third period, it was all it was all Griffins. Um, Russo tied it up. I like Russo. He's a, he's a good defenseman that we got we picked up from Notre Dame, and then. Uh, Athanasiu, with a minute left, came streaking down the side with his speed, and 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 put a shot in at the at the final minute. So, Griffin's huge comeback down three on the series, and then in game five, um, they reunited the what they call the kid line, which is Double uh, A, um, Mantha and Bertuzzi, and that line just absolutely destroyed Lake Erie in game uh, game five. There, they won six to one. Mantha had two assists, uh, Bertuzzi had a hat trick, and Double A had a breakaway goal which was a pretty awesome highlight because the two defensemen are actually ahead of him before he starts skating down the ice, and he literally blows by both defensemen um, and, and gains a lot of ground. I mean, it's the speed is unreal. And, uh, you know, obviously he was doing the NHL, so when he went to the minors, it was even more drastic. But, yeah, yeah pretty a good breakaway goal, so that was, that was pretty sweet. So some good highlights. And then uh, Evgeny Snestikov, the, uh, the first-round pick from last year, made his debut in Game 5 and got an assist as well. So... Top picks are looking pretty good right now, boys. Um, hopefully they can they can pull so off the comeback in the series. They're heading to GR for Game Six, and then uh, and yeah, I mean if they, if they as long as they stay alive and keep going, the, the the thing that stuck out to me is Mantha's stats. 
He has over double the amount of points this playoff year than he did last year in half as many games. So he's he's looking uh, pretty sharp in the playoffs right now. I just wanted to give them to give him a chance in the pros a little bit longer. I don't think they should have brought him back down as fast. But uh, So that's what's going on with the Griffins. we got some hope for the future. I think it might be time. Are you ready to do those push-ups, Frankie? Yeah, I'm going to do them as soon as we're wrapping things up while Tony's paying the bills. I'll, Joey knows my words, Bond. I'll, I'll get the 25 in. If you're quick, you're wondering what happened was uh, Game 7, Nashville versus San Jose. Krasner was getting loud about the Sharks. Frank was getting loud about the Predators. Uh, somebody got called a cake eater. Somebody got called some other names we can't repeat on the air. That's completely untrue. Gerard's lying on the air. But no, I just I wanted to have a little fun. with. Somebody was called with, a cake eater out for the text. With, with the NHL play. Oh, yeah. I guess Joey did call me a cake eater. But I called him a cake eater. Yeah. I called you Great something Great money else. ducks. What did I call uh, you? Insult. A schoolgirl? Or what did I say? Something. I don't know. But, but anyways... Uh, I uh, I just wanted to make things spice things up a little bit for the NHL playoffs, and I again picked the wrong team. I thought maybe Nashville had some spunk in them, but I should have known better. They're only a home team, and the game seven happened to be in San Jose. So, twenty five push ups will be done, and they're going to be sponsored by the Marine Corps. One for the commandant. All right, uh, next week, looking out for you. We're going to start uh, since we got so much positive feedback on the Tigers in two minutes. We're going to bring another weekly segment in. It's going to be called Obscure Sports Report. Some sports you haven't heard of. We'll have a little fun with it. A little. Jazz to start the show or end the show, we'll decide. And maybe uh, maybe we'll finally get the Frank's Fables, or maybe we'll wait another 10 weeks. Who knows? I'm still, I'm still excited. Anything else? We're waiting a long time for Frank's Fables. When those finally come out, um, I expect to be thoroughly entertained. You're going to be entertained. You're going to have a fun time guessing which one's the truth and which one's the fable. But we're going to pay some bills, Joe. How's that sound? Sounds good to me, Frankie. Love you, Joe. All right. As- Love you too, Joe. <laughs> As we always say, you know, you can find us at revolutionarysportsfront.com on Facebook at facebook.com slash revolutionarysportsfront. Uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier, we do have the YouTube channel, which still does not have any videos. We uh, can uh, get Frank to let us record these pushes to put them up there, but... Maybe one of these is best that we make amongst ourselves. We'll eventually make it up there on the YouTube channel. Also, you can find us on Twitter, twitter.com slash rsfpodcast. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. That way there you'll always get updated when the newest episodes come out since we usually record on Sunday. Sometimes I get them edited and posted Sunday night. Other times it's not till Monday night. And... You can leave us reviews there to let us know how you're, we're doing. You can leave us comments on the episodes on the website or on the Facebook page to let us know how you're doing. Or if you want to keep it private just between us, do what a lot of other people are doing. Just shoot us an email at revolutionarysportsfront at gmail.com. Also, if you like the show, tell a friend. That way, you know, that's the best way to spread the great word about us is to tell your friends. And thank you for being a part of the sports revolution. Adios, amigos!